Welcome to the Life Unlimited Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice so you can confidently live your life your way for life. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello, and welcome to Life Unlimited with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Larry, how are you? I'm doing terrific today, Eric. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm ready to learn more about you and your guests. You have Sandra M. Radna Esquire, and she is an award-winning New York attorney and the owner of law offices of Sandra M. Radna, Radna PC. Sandra has been published and quoted in a number of periodicals concerning the intersection of finances and matrimonial law, including CNBC.com, Yahoo Finance, Observer, Business Insider, and more. She's also the author of the book, You're Getting Divorced, Now What? The Ultimate Divorce Court Guide. Larry, what are you guys talking about today? We're going to talk about prenuptials and postnuptials. So, Sandra, thank you for joining us today. I think the audience will learn a lot. So why don't we start, what is a prenuptial agreement? A prenuptial agreement is a contract, really. And it's telling the parties what will happen in the event that they get divorced. In the simplest terms, that's what it is. It's really just an agreement that's enforceable by court if necessary. Right. I mean, you see all these TV shows out there and they kind of negative connotations to a prenuptial agreement. So now you've you've gotten married and how do you kind of bring that up in, during the course of your conversations? Well, you really do it before you get married, hence the pre. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you're getting ready to seriously talk about getting married is a good time to bring it up. And and usually the best way to bring it up is you let the person know it protects both of you. A typical prenuptial agreement just keeps separate property separate. So that's whatever you owned before you got married. And typically, whatever you gather together during the marriage will be marital. It's just that if you already owned a house, if you already had a business, you already had a retirement account, that could be kept separately with a prenuptial agreement, which decreases the amount of anxiety people might feel that if it doesn't work out, and that's a fact of life, 50% of divorces, 50% of marriages end up in divorces, you're just reassuring yourself that you'll still have your business, you'll still have your retirement accounts, and you'll still have the house that you put all your savings into in the event of a hopefully not happening, but in the event of a divorce. So- a lot of people think prenuptials are just for multimillionaires and people that have a tremendous amount of wealth. What is your take on that? I think that used to be true. It used to be that people who had great wealth, their families would say, you cannot marry this person who's beneath you unless you have an airtight prenuptial agreement that protects your inheritance and your millions. But the reality is, a lot of people who are going into second marriages who have already been divorced once and have gone through that process and they see what happens, they think they want to do a little bit of planning. And prenuptials are really part of planning documents. And I think people are a lot more sophisticated. So what happens when, say, you're an older person getting married? You have assets, probably. Maybe you have a brokerage account. Maybe you have real estate. It could be as simple as already owning a house and having a retirement account. It could just be somebody who's working for any company that has a retirement account that they they want to ensure that they have when they retire. So that's that's really most people that are getting prenups nowadays is people are more aware of it as a planning tool, not just as something for the extremely wealthy person. Right. But 
And I'm sure for second marriages, people are a little bit more cognizant about that. But it's not just for second marriages. People that even first marriages where they're getting married a little bit later in life and may have accumulated certain assets. You know, we've represented some professional athletes before. And, you know, I can relate to the audience one scenario that didn't have a prenuptial and one one did. And we know it's a hard conversation, especially you're in your 20s, you're marrying for love and you don't love me and the person doesn't want to disrupt something before they're having their their, wet, their wedding day. But it, in, in this instance, they did not have a prenuptial and of course things didn't work out. Um, and in, in that case, um, it lost millions of dollars because not taking the time to really sit down and explain explain to that. So I'm sure you've seen that a lot when people come to you. Well, I think that the way to avoid the angst that somebody feels when they're not the one asking for the prenup, someone's asking them for, because it feels that, well, you don't really don't love me and it's very unromantic. But if you talk about it way ahead of time, as part of it, say, look, I'm really serious about you. I've worked really hard to accumulate these assets. I would feel more comfortable and you could blame it on the attorney. You could blame it on your financial planner. If we have a prenuptial agreement, I'm always going, I'm going to take care of you. The prenup's going to say that I'll take care of you. It's just that these certain things I want to have protected. And if you're not doing it at the 11th hour, like the day before you get married, where it's this huge rush, it's a lot easier for someone to digest and understand that it's it's not a dig on them. It's not saying that you're not worthy. It's just saying that I want to be protected. And you're right. Younger and younger people have wealth have assets, have businesses even, and there are things to protect. Yes. And maybe they're in a family business, but you you, you mentioned a, a key point there that they're going to pro, uh, provide for them. So a prenuptial agreement doesn't mean that they're cutting them entirely out of everything, or at least a good prenuptial. It doesn't have to. It, it does. So a prenuptial agreement, a lot of times what we put in, say, for example, one of the parties owns a house that's separate property but they're both living there as the marital residence. The prenup could provide that if the marriage breaks up, that there's they have a certain amount of time to be able to vacate and look for another place. And maybe the spouse that has more of the money, more of the finances will help them purchase something else or pay for their moving costs. There are things that you could put in that makes it more palatable to the other person because in the end of the day, what everybody's worried about is, am I going to get kicked out on the street? Am I going to have nothing? Am I going to be starting over again? Especially if the less moneyed spouse, they're planning that they're going to be a stay-at-home parent, that they're not going to be working outside of the home and maybe they're not advancing their career because of the marriage, they're very concerned. What happens if the marriage doesn't work out? What happens to me? So if the prenup makes provisions for what happens, then all of a sudden it's not as bad as it maybe would sound at, at first glance. Right. And uh, I've seen a prenup where it was also based upon how long they were married. So the longer they were married, there were different financial obligations. And then there were different financial obligations based upon whether they had children, didn't have children. So a lot of different things can be spelled out Absolutely. in the agreements. It doesn't have to be a, a cookie cutter form. It should really be very specific, very particular. And that's why it's good to work with an attorney to do it because you can get forms online, but those are cookie cutter. They're just fill in the blanks. But if you want to say after we're married for five years, 
the spouse would get this amount after 10 years at this amount. And maybe after 20 years, everything's joint. Mm -hmm. We could do that because that also provides protection. That's saying that we're going to stay in a marriage. For if, if we're together, then everything will be together. It will be joint. But if we're not, we're protected. And and yeah, and that, that I've seen that work out in a, in a in a scenario, and they had some rocky times, but they ended up staying together. But the the prenuptial actually worked worked that way. Um, now you mentioned something about an attorney, but can you do this with one attorney? And you mentioned the eleventh hour. So how do you do this the right way so the prenuptials aren't then litigated later on when you need to use them? So the best way is that each party, each person has their own attorney. And usually one attorney does the drafting of the agreement. Remember, they're in love and they're engaged. So they would have spoken about this, hopefully. And the terms in the agreement should be what they're both agreeing to. But the reason it's good for the less moneyed person to have an attorney as well, and they might not be on equal footing, but say there's usually one drafting attorney. So the reason you want it to have reviewed is because the other person can come back and say, I didn't understand what I was signing. I didn't understand what I was getting into. It was unfair to me. And I didn't know that it was unfair with me to me. And I wasn't even told that I could have an attorney. But all of a sudden, then it sounds like that prenup's going into litigation. And you don't want that to happen. If they both are represented by attorneys, if it states it clearly within the prenup that there was an opportunity to have it reviewed and either they declined that opportunity and you explain it in writing mm -hmm. or they had the opportunity and the attorney made changes, that's that's a good thing because that protects it. But at the end of the day, like any contract, you want it to be enforceable. So if it's not enforceable, it's just a piece of paper. So there are certain things that have to be in a prenup in order for it to be enforceable. For example, you cannot waive your rights to assets that you did not know exist. So maybe the money spouse is a billionaire and the person who's marrying him doesn't know that and says, oh, I don't care about your money, but that wasn't disclosed in the prenup. If all the assets are not disclosed, that's grounds for invalidating the prenup. So I've had people that came to me for a prenup and did not want to disclose the assets. They just <laughs> did not get a prenup because they didn't want to disclose the assets because I told them it is not enforceable if you don't do that. So that's really a big a big thing. So they'd rather happened. have their assets exposed than to uh, accidents not exposed than to protect themselves. That's interesting. They don't want the future spouse to know what the assets <laughs> are. So there we are. No, not not starting with the with transparency is a problem. Yes, but could be a red flag. So you mentioned the eleventh hour. So how long before the wedding day should somebody? make sure that they have this and completed? I would say best case scenario is before the engagement. Talk about this is, I, I would like to marry you. I really want us to start a family together, but this is what I'm concerned about. And I would like to have a prenup that you can have an attorney look at it. You'll see it. It's not going to be anything that's unfair to you. And if you Couch it in those terms. I think that it's it's very palatable to the other side. They can handle it. They understand. When it's right before the wedding, you're already engaged. Everything's all done. Hey, you need to sign this prenup. Whoa. You know, it's already prepared that we never discussed. That could be a problem. Right. No, I think that's a great piece of advice. Doing it before the engagement is so then when the engagement comes, there's no surprises down the road. 
that's yeah. so they know that I'm proposing, but I'm there is going to be a prenuptial. And, and we're assuming that it's the man, but it's not always, it's not always, the, man. It's not always the, 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 the man. We've had a couple of stay at home dads that, are, that have gotten divorced. We've had um, the spouses who are in a family business. So, and I'm sure you've had the same, you know, the same scenario. So have you, is it really been difficult to sit down and negotiate prenuptials? Well, but it's hot. Well, it depends. As lawyers always say, it depends. <laughs> if the party spoke about it ahead of time, it's a lot easier. I did have one prenuptial agreement that really felt like it was a divorce. I was representing the less moneyed spouse who was marrying somebody who had extreme wealth. And he did not disclose a lot until we were at the table huh. and through the attorneys. And they would really, my client would be crying. We'd have to leave the room. We'd come back in and then the whole end of the whole thing, the future husband, the fiance would say, okay, babe, ready to go out to dinner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? They got married and they're doing fine. Oh, that's it's, great. I think that was more than 10 years ago. So they're doing okay. But it took a long time, a lot of negotiation going back and forth. There were things that I did not think were fair to my client. And there were things that we dug our heels in and insisted on. And there were things that we negotiated. So it it felt to my client fair because it was a negotiation. It wasn't every single thing her fiance was asking for, but it also wasn't every single thing she was asking for. And I think both parties felt that it was fairly negotiated. So if it ever had to be enforced, I think that the husband would feel comfortable that it's enforceable because she mm -hmm. had an attorney. And I, I think it was over three months. Of negotiations. I, I think we had at least four meetings in office with the other attorney, but we put good things in there for her. We put in a time period for her to stay in the house. We put in where she would stay. We put in the amount of money she'd be entitled to get for support. And we put increases depending on how long it was. She did get like an escalation of the longer she was married, the higher percentage of assets she would get. So she was able to days. feel that she would be taken care of if that would ever to happen. Yeah. And then I guess that's the real benefits of doing something and putting a, a proper agreement together. Absolutely. So we're, 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 we're in New York state where we're talking about, obviously the laws are different in every state and we have listeners all over the country, but in New York, somebody once said to me, well, if I keep all my assets from before I married in a separate account, I don't have to worry about a prenuptial because that's going to be that's going to be mine. What what are, what are your thoughts on that? That's partially true, but the increase in growth of that separate asset will become joint property. So say you had for example a retirement account and during the marriage that retirement account grew, you made additional contributions to it. Well, in New York state, any money you earn during the marriage is considered marital money even if your spouse isn't working at your job. So any money that you added to that retirement account, any amount that grew because of market forces, that would all be marital. If you wanted to truly keep it separate, your entire, let's use going with that example of retirement account, the prenuptial would keep it completely separate, even what would be considered the marital portion in the event of a divorce. Right. And if you owned a business, right, the business would be separate at the time of marriage, but if the business increased in value, that would not be protected, correct? That's correct. And if the spouse supported you when it grew from a small company to a large company, so you established it prior to the marriage, but during the marriage, it grew exponentially. And you might say, well, that's because of all my hard work and my experience and my relationships that I built. But your spouse will say, no, it's because I supported you and I took care of the kids. 
And the court gives credit to that. The court does give weight to that. And even if a spouse did not work in the business, they can get a percentage of that business. Prenuptial agreement protects that. So you don't have to worry about it. The way a prenup works is the terms of the prenuptial agreement, as long as it was executed properly and both parties had full disclosure and they had representation by attorneys, it's completely enforceable. So if they weren't supposed to get the business, they don't get the business. If they weren't supposed to get the brokerage account, they don't get the brokerage account and so forth. So you just see a lot of the prenuptials that you've seen, are they challenged later? I've had, I've seen situations where they were challenged and I've uh, seen both sides. Ones where the prenup did not hold up because it did not have the proper disclosures. For example, it did not say it was entered into voluntarily. It did not specifically list the assets that were protected. It just had a general statement. And that was very hard to enforce. If it's not specific, it's difficult for the court to enforce it. If you specifically list the assets that are protected, then it's easy for the court to enforce it. And I've also had other ones that were very well written, very clear, and the court enforced it 100%. So for, for the audience out there, so if you are contemplating a prenuptial, make sure you go to a, an attorney that specializes in matrimonial law and not just any attorney to do a prenuptial because it could come back to bite you later on. Absolutely true. So let's talk about you, you You were in love and you just didn't do a prenuptial agreement. And now later on, you're kind of having regrets. I should have done something. Is there anything that you can do or put into place? Larry, I'm so glad you asked that question <laughs> because a postnuptial agreement is an agreement that's entered into after you're married, but it's just like a prenup as far as the terms that you put into it. So just to use your example, now you've created a great deal of wealth during the marriage and you're thinking, I've done this all by myself. My spouse hasn't helped at all. And I'm a little concerned that they're going to get half of everything that I've worked for. You can enter into a postnuptial agreement, which is a more difficult discussion than the prenuptial agreement. Yeah. Why would the spouse at that point want to enter into a postnuptial agreement? Right. They might not want to. Uh, usually a good time to ask for a postnup for example, is if one party had an affair and they want to stay in the marriage, they want to mm -hmm. have a second try, you know, give it a second chance. Hey, let's do a postnup. If you, yeah, and you could put whatever you want as the reasons for the separation, but you could put, for example, if you have an extramarital affair, if you have any type of infidelity, whether it's not being transparent financially or not being emotionally present, but you're having a texting relationship with somebody, whatever it is, you can define it, then the marriage is over. And here's how we're going to divide up the marital assets. So that's one way to get a post up. But the other way could be that the business has grown and I'm going to take care of you, but I really want to be able to keep this for myself. And a lot of times if the less moneyed spouse is assured in writing that they will be taken care of financially, that they're not going to get thrown out on the street, that they're going to have a place to live, that they'll have money to live on, then it works out. And you can do that post up. All great pieces of advice. Any final words about prenuptials, postnuptials that our audience should, uh, should want to hear? I would say the most important thing to know is that if it's not in writing, it never happened. <laughs> and if you're concerned about anything, you, you really should get it in writing. You should at least talk to somebody and find out what you should get in writing because the cases that you hear about, the celebrity divorces, and the ones that worked out well, they had planning done. They had everything in writing and they worked it all out. The ones that you hear, they're in court for a long time, they weren't protected. And, and that's really the problem.
Great. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. If, if anyone wants to reach Sandra, where can they contact you? I would say the best way is to look at my website, which is www.radnalaw.com. R-A-D-N-A-L-A-W.com. Great. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sandra. It was a pleasure. A lot of good information for our audience. Thank you for having me, Larry. This was great. Thank you so much for bringing on the show, Sandra. You did fantastic. What a great amount of information. A touchy subject, right? I mean, that for anybody to bring up, but I think the advice of bringing up before the engagement, have these conversations, ease into it maybe. <laughs> and it <laughs> seems, seems like that would help a lot. So again, thank you so much for being here. Larry, thank you so much for facilitating this. It's a great show. And of course, our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Life Unlimited podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the follow button below. This way when Larry comes out with a n- new show, it'll show up directly on your listening device. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'd appreciate a like and follow there as well. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hello Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.